Barkley and Marotta Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That boy's good. It's Vinny's View on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports, presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize, proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. You've got momentum, you've won five straight, and you haven't lost with your newly acquired superstar. You're playing front in front of a raucous home crowd, which is sold out Footprint Center for the 65th consecutive time. You're wearing the popular turquoise City Edition originative uniforms at home for the final time ever, and oh yeah. Yeah, you've got a playoff spot and home court advantage in the first round on the line. So how do you respond when a taking team rolls into town and releases an injury list longer than a CVS receipt? The Suns displayed just what to do in a 115-94 win over the shorthanded Spurs at Footprint Center. They raced out to a 31-point lead 18 minutes into the game. But this is the NBA, and it's hard for any team to maintain that level of dominance over 48 minutes against anybody. The Suns did not get a masterful performance from Kevin Durant. In fact, in the two games that I've been courtside to see Durant play in person, he's shooting 34.3% from the floor and is averaging 17 points per game. So I guess that makes me as close as it gets to a KD stopper. And that's bad news for the rest of the West. Devin Booker did not turn down his aggressiveness in a 27-point outburst. Chris Paul hit four threes in the first half and finished with 22 points. And a welcome return to the 20-plus club. DeAndre Ayton played a solid, efficient game against a team that really didn't have a center to oppose him. And Torrey Craig played maybe his best game of the year, supplying endless energy and hustle while contributing 15 points and 10 boards. It wasn't all great as the quintet of Josh Okogie, Landry Shamit, TJ Warren, Terrence Ross and Ish Wainwright, a group that is currently being asked to knock down open shots, combined to go 0 for 12 on the night. When Durant went down for his freak pregame uh, with his freak pregame ankle injury in early March, the Suns were tasked with treading water. They've done that. They're locked into fourth place, and they will have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs, no matter the opponent. And I say, with as many twists, turns, peaks, and valleys that this season has presented the Suns, bring those playoffs on. Vinny's View is brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and we have new players. We have Kevin out there too, TJ in the lineup. And, you know, we're kind of behind a bit if you're talking experience-wise together. Um, but a plus in the talent level, I'd say. So, you know, just... Figuring that out, even tonight's game, even when we were up 30, I'm sure we would have played most of the game, regardless how much we were up, just to you know find that flow and find that rhythm. And Stevin Booker on what's keeping everybody sharp and focused at this point. Six in a row, seven and zero now with uh, with Kevin Durant in the fold, and they're KD and O. They're KD and O, Vinny. KD and O, I like it. Uh, and now you know you're in the four spot. Now the only thing that's left to be determined is all the shuffling that could go on over the mm-hmm. past, over the next five days in the NBA. But uh, like I said, in, in, in Vinny's view, Bick, they, they treaded water to uh, to a efficient level, and they did what they needed to do. Prior to Kevin Durant, you never knew what you were going to get with the, the previous Suns team when going up against a really bad team. You didn't know. Um, they, they rarely, from my 
limited recollection really seemed to exceed expectations in terms of blowing out teams that they need to blow out. I, I really liked, A, the focus they took the floor with last night, locked in against a very bad opponent, and uh, the newness of KD, the new energy of it all. Of, mm-hmm. I, I understand what's fueling them, but still, uh, like locking in and getting out to that huge of a lead, That's I think that's a good sign. Um, I, I One of my early thoughts about KD coming to the Suns where I thought this basketball team would would be able to take six nine-point games and blow them wide open in a minute, given their uh, abilities from the perimeter now with KD. And, and that happened last night after the Spurs made a run, but it had nothing to do with KD shooting from the outside. But it just... I think you put the whole thing together, and yeah, you, you've got to like this team's chances with these two frontline players that they're going to somehow, some way, figure it out and make the shots they need to make. Now, yeah. the biggest question that we have not addressed yet, the Devin Booker headband. Do we like it or do we not? They're 2-0 and with uh, headband book. And I'm, not, I'm not a fan of the look, to be I honest. I don't know what goes behind, because he's done this throughout his career. He'll, he'll wear it for a couple games, and then it goes bye-bye again. Right. It right, is, it's it's really odd. It's like it, it, Kellen has been on the headband book beat oh, has since he? <laughs> the beginning. He usually tweets about what's what we're seeing there. I don't know what it means. I don't know why he chooses that. I don't know. Either of you ever rock That's a headband in your no and tennis it, days? No, I I was more of a bandana guy. Yeah, um, but oh, we uh, nice. Well, this was this was early '90s, and Andre Agassi was you know very All very rated. Dude, Dude. got it. Now he's a pickleball player. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Not that there's isn't any everybody? <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it got us to talking. I was having a conversation on uh, on press row yesterday about, or at the courtside table yesterday about headbands in the NBA. Do you remember for the longest time, Bick, there was one player who consistently wore a headband and was the whole headband movement in the league. Mike Bibby. Clifford Robinson. Cliff Robinson. He was the guy that kind of brought back the headband in the NBA. Uncle Cliff. Good Mike Bibby Cliff. was a good one, too. R.I.P. Yeah. Skylar Diggins-Smith is the iconic headband wearer, though. Headband guy. Yeah. I mean, because I used to wear them in, in the 70s. Like, like Watts, Bill Walton, Will Chamberlain. <laughs> oh, yeah, Bill Walton. <laughs> yeah. But then it went away for a while. Yeah. Any, anyway. Okay, so, so let's get off the frivolous. I just wanted to, to, to kind of table that real quick. The other thing is real interesting, really quick. What's happening with, with was last night a symbol or something cooking with the backup point guard? Is there is there a high level philosophical shift to go? Hey, you know what? The thing that's going to change dramatically for us when the postseason gets here is teams are going to make it a nightmare on Chris Paul. They're going to engage him. They're going to make him run. They're going to make him move. They're going to tire him out. Are are they thinking something this? And I'm talking about the DNP to campaign last night, even though he was active. Was it just a thing? And is the back the other backup option any better? Well, with Shamit. I, uh, look, Landry Shamit. We've seen him. He can get hot from the outside. It hasn't happened with any regularity during his son's career. Monty Williams' response last night was, "Hey, I wanted to do some things differently with mm-hmm. a bigger defender out there." Landry Shamit is a decent defender, probably a better defender at campaign at this point. I think you do lose. Um, that that emotional lift that Cameron Payne can give you off the bench. He's done that semi-consistently throughout his son's career. <clears throat> but I also think, Bick, to your point, going to the playoffs now, we saw it last year. Teams focused on Chris Paul. We're going to make life living hell for Chris Paul, bringing the ball up. The Suns have been, you know, regardless of who is on the roster, and this goes back to the Mikel Bridges uh, time and Cam Johnson when he was still here, 
The Suns have made it a concerted effort all season long to lighten that load on Chris Paul. So this is not an adjustment they're going to have to make. And I don't think you'll be yeah. able to see teams do that as much this year. No, it, it, you, and again, I, what I like about it is it, don't be reactionary when the playoffs come. I think that yeah. was one of the downfalls last year. Yes. Everything they did was reactionary. Get, get in front of some of this stuff. So when teams start blitzing Chris Paul and picking him up in the backcourt, harassing and haranguing, have a plan for it. And then, then the other team will be like, oh, wait a minute. This isn't working. Oh, snap. What do we do? <laughs> now what do we do? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what you want. Uh, but like you said earlier, props to the Suns for navigating this weird, wacky, bizarre season. And you got a top four seed. Yeah. That's well done. And I could say this about the Spurs last night. Great uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> the classic ABA look. Oh, Not bad. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I got you. That's the nicest thing I'll ever say about the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Suns home tomorrow night against the Denver Nuggets as they uh, play the final three games of the regular season starting tomorrow. Coming up next, we'll have uh, more on the latest ugliness facing the Arizona Cardinals. When will it stop? It's Bickley and Murata mornings <laughs> here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We've seen the NFL be stern in its discipline with players. And the rules are supposed to be that owners are held to a higher standard of conduct. And the higher you go on the food chain, the more responsible you are. And the more responsibility falls on your shoulders. If McDonough can prove his accusations during this arbitration claim, and if he has the evidence that he insists that he does, then clearly there is going to have to be some action taken. And in the words of the league, owners should be held to the highest standard in this particular case. That's Adam Schefter from NFL Live on ESPN yesterday talking about maybe the double standard. I, I, I got a kick out of it that mm-hmm. uh, that uh, this soundbite was labeled. We've seen the NFL hold owners to the highest standard, so I wanted to play that and go, yeah. no, they have, no they have not. They have not. Yeah. Uh, they do hold players to the highest standard, but uh, not owners, certainly. And uh, this is a question now after yesterday's developments with the arbitration filed by Terry McDonough, former VP of player personnel of the Cardinals, accusing the Cardinals and Michael Bidwell of gross misconduct, including cheating, discrimination, and harassment. The Cardinals sent out a response through an external PR firm that obviously they knew this was coming, uh, and they went on the attack themselves on uh, Terry McDonough and some of his personal issues, some of his professional issues. I was talking with you off the air, Bick, about... um, and I remember distinctly the, the Terry McDonough ascension, and then his title changed. And mm-hmm. he kind of just drifted into the background. I don't remember anything distinct about the departure of Terry McDonough, whether it was orchestrated it was by the Cardinals yeah. or it was orchestrated by himself. It was very, very much so. I remember asking about him a couple of different times, and it was just almost as if he was just taken out of the building and sent off someplace else, which, in effect, is what was happening. And, and so you, you really do ask yourself, okay, wh- what? how will the NFL react to this? And again, we, we, need to, we need to stress that these are allegations only, and the Cardinals have vehemently uh, refuted all of them point by point in a manner that even gets kind of into the area of, of dirty play a little bit in, in real personal kind of clapbacks on Terry McDonough. But, but, I, but I think you need to focus on a couple things here. Number one, because of what went down with Daniel Snyder and, and the commanders, 
there was uh, there was a sort of a, an uprising in Congress about maybe we better rein in this football league. Look at look at what is going on. Look at how these owners. Look at the way they're acting. Uh, Terry McDonough, even in this complaint um, in this file for arbitration, says, "quote Bidwill's abusive behavior is precisely the sort targeted recently by the U.S. House of Representatives Committee on Oversight and Reform when it put the NFL on notice that Congress will no longer tolerate the cover-up of workplace misconduct within the National Football League. If there's a feeling among Roger Goodell and the lawyers at, on Park Avenue at the NFL that, that we need to, to quiet down the politicians so they don't mess with us, then, then maybe they treat this seriously or maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. Um, I think what you said earlier, there's um, the allegations that the Cardinals were cheating. They kind of fall flat to me because, again, it was a team-imposed penalty. All right, that was number one. And would they win three games that year? Three and thirteen. I think Michael Bidwell is paying a real, real heavy price for putting an absurd amount of faith into a mediocre general manager. And I think we have seen that repeatedly, repeatedly, yes, repeatedly, as if he doesn't feel comfortable owning or running this football franchise without Steve Kime sitting there as his confidant and friend. And, and and that's a little worrisome to me. Uh, and so so, but you you look at this and you, you say to yourself, is the NFL going to actively pursue this now? Because this is not what Roger Goodell does. Roger Goodell makes crazy m- amounts of money, not because he's a good commissioner, not because he keeps his owners in line, but because he's a shield for the shield. Yes, absolutely. He takes Perfectly all said. the heat for the owners. So the NFL will not be motivated in any way. To adjudicate this or press on with this, it's a bad look for them. You know, you, 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 you pretend it, it, in a worse – if Terry McDonough is right, what he's saying is the Cardinals made a big song and a dance about appearing concerned about Steve Kimes' extreme DUI only to circumvent the very penalty they installed on him and said, here you go. Here's your burner phone so we can keep this thing going. Yeah. And at that time, and look, at that point in time, the BA era was just ending. And and I'm sure Michael Bidwell had no idea where this thing was going. And we got to keep this thing going. So we got to, again, if this is only if Terry McDonough is, is right. But the big question is going to become what is the NFL's appetite now? And will there be any outcry about this? I'll yes. tell you this much. Daniel Snyder and the Washington Commanders malfeasance, that gets a lot of airplay. This morning, driving in, Nobody really is interested in the plight of the Arizona Cardinals, no matter how dysfunctional they are. So I'm not sure there's going to be a huge public appetite across the country. Unless everything changes. The appetite of the NFL changes. The the eyeballs on this story, the attention given to this story changes if Terry McDonough is not alone. If Terry McDonough has spurred others now to speak up, and then you get this rolling stone downhill of momentum against the Cardinals. And again, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, Marcus Spears from ESPN talked about uh, what this means for the Cardinals organization in the now. First thing I think about is all of the things that have transpired in the Arizona organization. I think about Kyler Murray's contract and that language getting out. 
think about Cliff Kingsbury and even Kaim getting extensions and then getting fired. So a lot of those things for us, when we sat in studio or wherever we were having discussions about the Arizona Cardinals, we thought that that was already disarray. And now something like this comes out, obviously about ownership. This coming to a head with somebody that worked within the organization, speaking on the owner in a workplace environment, it's almost like it's hard to just be dismissive of it because we've seen crumblings of things that we probably weren't supposed to know about. Something internally has been going on in Arizona and the fact that this is coming out and the fact that the accuser is saying that I have all of the facts and the information, this is very damning to the Arizona Cardinals organization. And I'm going to say this, these are allegations at this point, but what Marcus Spears is hitting on and he only touched the tip of the iceberg, we are now a full calendar year into extreme organizational dysfunction. Extreme. And I don't think there's any other way to describe no, it. No, no, listen. When you talk about the contract extensions, the handling of, of the Kyler Murray situation internally and externally. He didn't even talk about the Sean Kugler situation, the James Saxon situation, uh, the situation with Eno Benjamin we never got any clarity on. There is so much that has piled up since March of 2022. It is alarming. It is alarming. It is alarming. I think in the short term, there's there's one solution that I would do proactively if I were the Arizona Cardinals. If I was Michael Bidwell, I would hire a team president immediately, resign from that position, and try to blend into the background a little bit. How? Because again, can wait, you do that now in, in in the face of all of this? I don't know. In terms of allegation, I, I maybe if this you know if this you're gets absolutely right up, though. You're absolutely if this is just a one guy, uh, one off kind of thing, or if this is the if this is the beginning of a of an investigation or an outpouring of oh yes this there is a toxicity here well, that that has to be rooted out. You got mad at me for asking the question. What's Baxter Holmes going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> Come on down. That's funny. He's probably got an Airbnb here. Oh, my goodness. That is well done. Yeah, I did get mad at you for that question. You got very mad at me for that question. (laughs) You can win lower-level tickets for this Thursday's D-backs home opener against the Dodgers. Just text baseball to 620-620 for complete details and your chance to win. Once again, that's baseball to 620-620. Coming up next, we've already hit on a lot of the big stories. We'll reboot them. Rush Hour Reboot with Sarah Cazell is next. It's Big Clear Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, my friends. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We get you caught up on everything you need to know in Valley Sports every single day at this time. And there's a lot to know in Valley Sports right now, guys. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. With Vince Murata. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. <laughs> Unlikely. And there's Jarrett Carlin. Let's get gassy. How did I know that was going to happen? <laughs> I do this to myself. All right. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I do. All right. The drama continues. 
for the Arizona Cardinals. Actually, I don't like using the word drama because that makes it sound kind of like silly and catty. It's mm-hmm. serious stuff, but the, the 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 tumultuous times continue for the Arizona we'll Cardinals. Put we'll put it that way. Michael Bidwell, the team owner, is being accused by a former employee of cheating, harassing employees, intimidating employees, and creating a culture of fear within the organization. My goodness, where have we heard that here in Arizona in recent history? The former employee is Terry McDonough. He was the Cardinals VP of Player Personnel for five years. He was also with the organization for a decade. He filed a grievance yesterday with the NFL. I'm going to run through just some of the, the bullet points from this grievance. Terry McDonough alleges that when Steve Kime was suspended for five weeks in 2018 after his extreme DUI, Bidwell forced McDonough and Steve Wilkes, then the head coach, to use burner phones to circumvent the suspension and stay in communication with Steve Kime. Terry McDonough also claims that Bidwell demoted him when he pushed back on that scheme. McDonough claims that then in 2019, the organization conducted a survey of Cardinals employees, you know, just to get the general health and wellness uh, of the organization. But the results of that survey, according to McDonough, were intercepted by Michael Bidwell and not shared with the team. The Cardinals refute that. McDonough also claims that the employees were fearful of Bidwell because of how he would interact with them. And he allegedly reduced two pregnant employees to tears after screaming at them. Finally, in McDonough's grievance, he alleged that Bidwell's workplace misconduct is significantly worse than that of Robert Sarver's, of course, the former former owner of the Sons of the Mercury, uh, who ended up selling the team. A response from an external PR rep for the Cardinals says the claims are outlandish, they are wildly false, and if they go to arbitration with Terry McDonough, the Cardinals look forward to setting the record straight. We just talked about all of this in the last segment. You guys said you don't think much is really going to happen on the league level unless more and more people start to come forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Or if Congress makes a big deal about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, that should be their purview. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, so the organization has made a really big deal of turning a new leaf with the departures of Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime, bringing in Monty Austin Fort, bringing in Jonathan Gannon. Um, if we don't think anything is going to come down on a league level, what needs to happen within the Cardinals organization for them to truly turn a new leaf, to truly put the past year of craziness behind them and get back to a more functional existence? Yeah, I think I just mentioned my my, uh, my solution in the short term, and that is to get a real team president in here, a role that Michael Bidwell has been filling, and, and I think Michael needs to just kind of uh, eject himself from this all for a little bit. Let this new culture play out without him. Yeah, I, I think Bick is onto something there, and it's not the first time you have suggested that. And this is before these allegations and, and this arbitration filing from Terry McDonough, you know, became known. Uh, the timing of it is is interesting. I, I think this is a situation that needs to be dealt with and resolved before Michael Bidwell could do that. But yeah, I mean, the Cardinals are probably one of the few teams, and I don't know this, but I'm guessing are one of the few organizations in the NFL that don't have a dedicated team president that's Mm -hmm. not part of the ownership. So the question is, I mean, that is a great idea, and it seems like an obvious answer. Do you think that would realistically happen? Do you think Michael Bidwell would go for that? Uh, uh, I don't... My my gut instinct would be no. 
because he very much wants to be in control. But again, this is this is something where if Roger Goodell looked at this and said, "Okay, this is this is our fix. This is the way out of it." Yeah, we'll leave you I, alone I don't think, you, do I don't think you do it willingly. I mean, uh, yeah, none of this is is anything they want to be dealing with. No, but man, talk about dealing with a lot of stuff. Oh, you just just yeah, for, uh, yeah, from one mystery and one weirdness after another. It's been it's crazy. And you mentioned it earlier, the Sean Coogler situation. He filed, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was, it was arbitration December, or a yeah. lawsuit, but that, that's months old, and we've heard not what word one on that. Yeah, nope. and there were a lot of people I trust who claimed the Sean Coogler thing was a desperate guy trying to save a marriage. So, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm receptive to the fact that some of these claims aren't always what they may seem to be. Mm-hmm. But, but like you said, Vinny, this is really going to – if this toxicity is really real, then there will be people, I think, coming out and talking about it. But then again, right. if you're a victim and you have no confidence that the NFL is going to act in good faith and treat your complaint with good faith, what's going to be the level of voluntary, you know, right. Why would you put yourself forward? in the line yeah, of fire right. when, you, right. when so, you think only negative things will come from it? We yep. see that all the time when yes, it comes to come for, coming forward about things. All right. Let's get to the Phoenix Billionaires Sons. acting badly. Where have oh, we seen this movie before? Dang. For a band. This is new. It this is, is brand new information. <laughs> uh, by the way, I know we ran through a lot of that quickly. If you want to read more, ArizonaSports.com. That's our front page story right now. You can find everything you need to know there. All right. The Suns beat the Spurs last night. Also a big deal because they locked in the fourth seed in the Western Conference with a 115-94 win. 27 points and 7 boards for Devin Booker. 22 points for Chris Paul on 9 of 14 shooting uh, from the field and 4 of 6 from 3. Okay, here is Chris Paul on shooting the ball more often. A lot of times I catch myself trying to find them. Knowing that I have the ball just about every possession I dribble the ball up the court. I feel like I can get a shot whenever. Sure. I'm always looking for them, but of course seeing the way that they guard K and Doug and trapping and all that, I'm going to definitely have to shoot more. All right, he says he's going to have to shoot more. I think your teammates might like that. And now that the Suns are officially the fourth spot in the West, Devin Booker says here is how the team will stay sharp in the lead-up to the playoffs. Uh, just staying sharp. You know, the most important basketball of the year is here um, and realizing that. So, you know, I know we in the past watched the play-in games together. Um just once we realize who our matchup is, just dive into that and, you know, move forward from there. All right. I feel like over the last several months, we've kind of given up on Chris Paul as a scorer, a, a consistent scorer for the Phoenix Suns. After seeing his performance last night, do you think you could trust him to be a, a sneaky scoring option during the playoffs? Yes. Yeah, I do. Uh, with uh, emphasis on the word sneaky. I, I don't think Chris Intentionally Paul's, dropped I don't it there. think he's going to average <laughs> 22 a night, but we saw the way that you know things were presented to him by the opposing defense, and he took advantage of it, and he was aggressive, and it was a, it was a, from the jump aggressiveness that he wanted to correct coming out of the Oklahoma City game and I think he did a good job of that. Uh, yeah, his role has changed and he's probably had to adjust more than anybody else on the Phoenix Suns during the course of this year on a number of different fronts and last night was a very pro- uh, promising development. I, I think that Chris Paul has been many things in his NBA career from point God to the head of the NBA PA. I don't think he ever in his wildest dreams thought he would be a spot-up shooter on a championship team. <laughs> a catch-and-shoot three catch and shoot guy. Yeah. Right. A catch-and-shoot guy. A 3-and-D guy on a championship team. <laughs> hey. 
Evolving. If it gets him, is ready. Right. right. It's all That's worth right. it. Yeah. Do what you got to do. Listen, but he's, he's got great mechanics as a shooter. If he's got juice in his legs and yeah. elevation, that's, a, that's yeah, I'm I'm perfectly content with You'll that. You'll take it? Oh, okay. yeah. I'll take it. Jason Kidd on the championship Mavericks team. Yeah. Yeah. Except a better shooter. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, all rebooted. Sarah. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at uh, 7.30. Coming up next, we'll get more on the Arizona Cardinals situation with Terry McDonough from uh, Mike Sando, NFL writer, senior athletic writer, uh, NFL writer from The Athletic. He'll join us next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Yeah, we continue on the Wednesday edition of Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Auction Community Studios with turmoil being the flavor of the year for the Arizona Cardinals. More turmoil yesterday. An arbitration filing from former VP of player personnel Terry McDonough accusing Michael Bidwell of gross misconduct, harassment, all that good stuff. We're here to talk about that. More NFL senior writer from the NFL, uh, from The Athletic, Mike Sando joins us here on the uh, Arizona Sports Line. Mike, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Nothing going on there, huh? Yo, no, nothing, nothing at all. It's just, uh, you know, we're wondering when, when this whole wave is going to stop, but... Um, you know, we've we've kind of gone over the you know the the details of the story, and obviously there's the comparison to what just went down with the Phoenix Suns and ownership, and there's a lot of differences. I mean, what do you see the next step in all of this being outside of the arbitration itself, Mike? Oh well, yeah, clearly that's the next step. But uh, you would think that the two sides have now calmed down a little bit. I mean, I thought I think this is, feels somewhat unprecedented for a team. Uh, to put out the type of statement they did about Terry McDonough and kind of for him to say the things he said about the team, too. It was very ugly. So you would think uh, that it might just sort of die down now, and, and the next thing we would hear would would involve some sort of arbitration. Uh, uh, yeah. But it's volatile. You know, you, you don't know. Terry McDonough could give an interview next week, right? I mean, who knows? All right, so I'm curious because the NFL is not like the NBA. They don't. They haven't shown a lot of appetite to kind of go after their owners. I think the Daniel Snyder thing is is point A, the case A. How serious will the NFL? How serious should the NFL look at the burner phone um, incident, which the Cardinals have have admitted is true? They say Michael Bidwill stopped it, and yet Steve Kime um, uh, was allowed to keep his job at that point. If this was a team sanctioned penalty, where's the league going to fall out? on that yeah. allegation of cheating. Well, as I remember, it was a team penalty, but the league was kind of like, hey, okay, you guys are taking care of this. We don't need to do more as long as the terms are complied with, right? So I don't think there's anything stopping the league from doing more. I was kind of going back and forth yesterday with some people in the league. Hey, how, how serious is this? And I think you could make a case that uh, really, there wasn't some major, huge competitive advantage gotten uh, by a few burner phone calls. But then on the flip side, you could say, then why do you do it? Right? There must have been some advantage or else you wouldn't be doing it. And they were trying to you know, manage their roster. I think it was a period from about late July into mid to late August, probably late August. So you're you're. You're, you're probably trying to get a couple contracts done. I know David Johnson was signed a little bit after that. You could certainly make a case that it's more serious than, you know, inflating footballs or whatever, right? So to me, there's nothing would surprise you in what they would come up with. And I think we need to learn more of the facts about it, right? I mean, if it's true that Michael Bidwell was the one behind the scheme, isn't that a little different than 
some employee who maybe there's been turnover in the front office, he's not even there, mm-hmm. and, and Bidwell immediately put a stop to it, that would look a lot more admirable, wouldn't it? Yeah, and then you might be less inclined to think there's some sort of a, a big problem here. Yeah, exactly. So, and and I think we all kind of had the same reaction to the way the Cardinals clapped back. It got very personal in terms of of sort of turning a spotlight back on Terry McDonough's character or alleged character flaws. What? How's that playing out? What? What's the league going to think of that? It probably felt really good to do it for the, for about a half an hour. I just thought. It was really um, heavy-handed. I, I, I kind of had two sort of half-joking takeaways. One is, I never want to be fired by the Cardinals. <laughs> and two is, I believe what both sides say about each other 100%. I think it's a, it must be 100% true on both sides. No. But uh, that was really, um, really unusual. And I think from this standpoint, if somebody accuses you of being a retaliatory person and you immediately retaliate, what does that show? It's a good point. Yeah, it's a little. So he, they're they're accusing Michael Bidwell of retaliating in kind of a personal way, and you could easily just say, "Hey, that there's disputes in employment and these types of things happen," but they're they didn't just put out a statement i mean they were quoting somebody who called the team right after he was hired and said he's a bad family guy yeah i mean i felt like that was pretty um much stronger than i would expect and advise right if you were doing this if if you didn't if you didn't feel threatened by the allegations or didn't think there was something there wouldn't you just put out a statement that said, hey, look, we are so sorry that it's come to this. We tried to support Terry. It has gotten a little sideways here. Uh, the the gist of the allegations here is untrue, and we really look forward to, you know, uh, to proving that uh, when our opportunity comes in arbitration, right? You would think. That's yeah. sort of what you expect in these sorts of disputes. Yeah, that, that was really um, not expected for me. Yeah, that normal level of civility is completely absent at this point. From, that was amazing. From yeah, yeah, I've yeah, never I seen anything. I, I agree. You'd think of another one like that. Yeah. Mike Sando, our guest here on the uh, Arizona Sports Line. Big picture for the Cardinals, and I kind of prefaced this before we introduced you, Mike, about just the amount of turmoil this team has undergone since being 10-2 and two and really on top of the football world where people are calling them Super Bowl contenders. The season falls apart and everything else around the Cardinals has kind of fallen apart in the last 18 months. I, I, I'm just curious if if you can think of a team or a franchise in the NFL recently that has had that big of a turnaround slash downfall from you know seemingly everything going yeah. great to everything turning to crap. Well, well, Houston had that, you know, and and then I. What's interesting about Houston is they went through the whole thing with Deshaun Watson, the ownership, the Jack Easterby. I mean, that's probably. Uh, on a level that would be the highest level of stuff that's sure. going on. And they were a good playoff team for a while and then just became absolutely horrendous for multiple years. I don't think that that's happened to the Cardinals. Um, the There are some contrasts between the organizations, though, too. If you, you know, the very non-scientific NFLPA survey, the Texans did pretty well on it. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was kind of interesting. So I think the, I think each team's a little bit different. I think what you're looking for for Arizona is just culturally, um, there's been a lot here with, hey, 
Steve Keim, DUI suspended, leaves the team. The CEO, the COO of the team, DUI suspended, gone from the team. The former head coach suing the team. The former number two guy, McDonough, seeking arbitration in a very ugly way, right? Those are just some things that um, when you piece all of them together, you go, okay, what's the common denominator here? Uh, of it, and it doesn't reflect well no. right, right on the team, and so you know we've. Heard, I don't know. Uh, I I don't know Terry McDonough. I don't know Amani Austinfort, but I've heard great stuff about Austinfort as a, as a person, uh, as a you know that sort of thing. So you would hope that that would be a good um, you know reset uh, for them. But culture goes from you know the top to the bottom, and there's uh, enough of these things have happened that you have to wonder about it. You know, politicians in Congress seem to get involved with this Daniel Snyder thing and, and, and seem to start making veiled threats at the league. Uh, I know politicians have a lot of other stuff on their plate right now. Is congressional interference or interest in, in this going to be part of what happens from this point forward from what you can tell? Uh, interest in the Cardinals? Yeah, in, in this particular case. I do not know that. Okay. I'm not up on that. I, I, I really don't have a good answer for that. You, you said there was something today on that? Well, no, it just the Washington Post is saying that according to Terry McDonough's arbitration complaint, they're saying that this particular example is exactly what the Congressional Oversight Committee was claiming, um, why they need to kind of get involved with NFL and, and, and their lack of discipline against owners. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know where that's going. Right. I mean, we hear the we hear that type of stuff before. That is interesting to me. I think you know another really interesting component of this is the tie into the Miami Dolphins Brian Flores situation. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, because I think Wilkes is a key witness here. Uh, you know, and and. Not that he he obviously has a a case against the Cardinals, so it's not like he's an unbiased witness. But some of the things that Terry McDonough is alleging, I think, take on greater weight if a Steve Wilkes, um, you know, comes down and says, "Yep, that's exactly what happened." And to the extent that there's a connection with the burner phone thing, and if if Terry. If if Steve Wilkes was let go partly because he wouldn't participate in a burner scheme. Well, why was Flores let go? Mm-hmm. He wouldn't do the tank and he wouldn't meet with Tom Brady, right? He wouldn't do unethical things. So I think those are interesting little tie-ins nice. that could be bigger you know, than, than just this complaint. And point. we just need to see where it goes. Well, Mike, look at it Good this work, way. Mike. We just, Journalism uh, with the J. We just had you on Capital for 10 J. minutes and we didn't have to talk about the Cardinals' lack of activity and free agency. That <laughs> well, was funny. I think – I can't remember. Did you – Go through my free agency article yesterday, or some somebody did. Yes, uh, and, yes. Yeah, and I thought I think I was going to come on, and then I was thinking, well, I think I'll delay this because we knew this story was coming out. <laughs> we might have other stuff to talk about with Arizona. It would have been disingenuous to come on and just talk about free agency. Yeah, so. and here we are. And the throwaway year that an exec said we, uh, very accurately depicted is what looks to be ahead for the Oof. Cardinals. Yeah, it is, and I mean, you know, they can't control the Kyler injury. That's a that's a part of it, right? Absolutely. I mean, if Kyler was raring to go, you'd say, well, "Hey, what are we doing here?" Right? But I, I think it's it is what it is. <laughs> They're in a weird spot of the development of their team, and I don't think you would expect them to be ramping up right now necessarily either under those circumstances. Very true, Mike. Great stuff as always. Thanks so much for spending some time with us this morning. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Mike Sando, NFL writer of The Athletic. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Bix got the blast to kick off the second Fire! half of the show. I wonder what it's going to be about. I can't wait to find out.
Neither can you. It's next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.